Welcome to the Culture Wise Podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace. Here, we aim to discuss topics related to how followers of Jesus can more effectively reach Latter-day Saints in their relational networks. My name is Daniel Schugert, and I'm joined today by Ross Anderson and Josh Gardner. Josh moved out to Utah in 2019 after a vision trip in 2018, and with his wife, decided to stick out here and make this his home. Uh, From talking to him, he had uh, a little bit of a slap in the face, um, just a wake, like a wake-up call or a surprise call um, when he was living in Texas, um, involved in ministry out there, and suddenly an opportunity came um, to come out and partner with um, the church Flourishing Grace here in Utah. So now he's working with Flourishing Grace, and I look forward to hearing all about the journey and the process and what you're experiencing now. So Josh, first of all, tell us about your experience, the journey of you actually adapting to Utah and what, what that was like. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I you know, grew up in Texas, lived there for 23 years before I moved here. Um, my wife and I both did. Um, and so living in the Bible belts, um, was interesting and different. Um, everyone knew about Jesus and a lot of people would claim, you know, Jesus and that meant they went to church, you know, for Easter and Mother's Day and maybe Christmas Eve, you know, to light the candles. Um, but it was a, a context where, uh, funny enough, you, you do have to do a little bit of uh, probing uh, with people to see, are you actually a follower of Jesus? Or do you just kind of say that as a cultural thing? And uh, so um, that actually a little bit helped me as I moved here. So when I moved here, it was funny because you know, God lined up a, a bunch of things for us. But when we first moved here, we, my wife said instantly she knew uh, when we came and visited and, and I struggled with it. Mostly, I think leaving my family and everything I knew was very difficult for me. But when we got back, it was very clear. Um, this is where we need to go. And, and Utah was never on our radar. Um, but then thinking through my life and thinking about even LDS uh, friends uh, in high school and, and conversations I had had, I, I had developed this heart um, for um, LDS people in, in a moment of being here um, and just and just feeling what God was doing here too um, and just and just saying yes okay God I'm, I'm in and so that that helped um, but um, man when I when I first uh, moved here three months later I definitely felt the weight of man this uh, student ministry youth ministry here is going to look very different very different than in, in Texas. In Texas, it was easy to get, uh, lots of kids in a room. Um, you know, church, uh, you know, being a Christian church, wasn't a, a, a barrier to getting kids in the room. Um, but here it was, um, you're a Christian church. Um, you're not part of the, the normal culture. And so, um, it, it became a hard thing to get kids in the door. And I, I quickly realized like, that is not how we're going to share the gospel with kids. We're going to share the gospel with kids through our kids sharing the gospel, which mm-hmm. is how it should be. Right. Like I, um, I grew up, um, in, in college with a very deep, you know, discipleship, discipleship was ingrained into me. Um, that's what Jesus did. That's what the call is to do, to make disciples. Right. That's, that's the call not to, uh, you know, make converts or, or even make bigger churches, but to make disciples. And so, um, that kind of just like kicked into gear. And, and I would say the Holy spirit just kind of did that in me from the get go. <laughs> like that wasn't me, it's just him moving. Um, and so I think 
one of the big shifts um, and like something big that um, really just helped at the beginning was growing those relationships with the students we already had and building a culture of students who cared about their friends um, and weren't like, I kind of walked into a student ministry that there, half of the kids, there were, there were only like eight of them. Um, half of them were like, this is my space. And like, they were even upset with me changing how we did music. Like even the music I played on Spotify was like, what is this? And like all those things. And we had to build a culture of, Hey, this isn't, this isn't like my territory and this is our safe space, but this is a place in which we're building a community who trusts in Jesus that we can actually show, um, and like show others who Jesus is through. Um, and so that was a huge thing that happened right at the beginning. And, and honestly, that first year we saw a lot of growth and we saw a lot of change in our students and, um, through, uh, leaders as well. Um, we saw just a lot of change. And then when COVID hit, it kind of shook everything for us as well too. Um, and that made us even rethink more because COVID hit and all of our student ministry kind of fell apart and all over the country, student ministries just fell apart. And we had to go, you know, I, I called a buddy of mine who's a church planter now in Texas. I called him, uh, he was still doing youth ministry at the time. And I said, if, if our, if our student ministries can fall apart this quickly, are we doing it right? Just asked the hard question, like, are we doing that right? Yeah. Um, it's always good to ask hard questions, right? My college pastor taught me that. He was like, we should be questioning everything we do all the time. Not like we're doing something wrong, but we should be questioning it and going, is this biblical? Is this what God actually has? Or have we built up something in our brain of what we think? Or, you know, have we used Instagram as a model instead of, you know, and church websites instead of the Bible, right? And mm-hmm. so that that helped. And uh man, that really uh, shook me a little bit and we dove more into discipleship in that. And so because of that, one of the the things I really learned is students here, uh, you know, Utah is I think the fourth uh, highest state in the country for teen suicide and depression. Yeah. Um, If that statistic is still correct, I I think um, fourth. And uh, it's, I mean, every year, you know, we have students who have friends, like I've gone to funerals of students, like it's, you know, and um, many of these students just don't have adults in their life who are real, like who are honest, who will say, I struggle with things. And so that was something we set out to do from the beginning. So our student ministry has way more of the adult to student ratio. I tell people what the adult student ratio and they're like, what? Because because we're a small church. Our, our student ministry now is about 30 consistent students. And uh, we have uh, 13. Now we have 14 adult leaders. Mm-hmm. So it's half. Yeah. Right. Uh, which is, which is crazy. Um, but if you really want discipleship to happen, um, which is what we want, we have these leaders who are, I tell them, look, find your two or three, find your two or three students that, you know, like, you know, when their games are, you know, what they like, you know, what they don't like, you know, what they're struggling with, you know, them at a personal level. And they know if anything happens, they can call you. Right. They like, they know that. Um, and so that's been a big thing that we developed that I had never really seen before, but we had to out of necessity. And so that's been a blessing. Even in this last year, we had a student, uh, we've had a student in the uh, emergency room for a car wreck and, and like leaders were there and they're like uh, ready to go. And we had a student uh, for a heart issue and, and I didn't even know until like the leaders knew first and then yeah, they, like, yeah. and that's a beautiful thing. Um, 
you know, it's a beautiful thing for, for our adult leaders to know that. And so that's been a huge kind of uh, bucket of our student ministry is just having other adults who are discipling, mm-hmm. right? Not just hang out, you know, hang out or even supervision. I feel like that's in other student ministries I've seen where it's like, it's kind of just like, oh, like keeping, you know, keeping everyone. Make sure uh, nobody throws a punch. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they do that, of course, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, good, uh, good. They do that. <laughs> but uh, but it's it's really, hey, find your find your couple kids that you are pouring into and investing in. And, and so I hear all the time, like, you know, of our leaders going to things that I don't even know are happening, like lacrosse yeah. games or like, or just things like, oh, and I'm like, can I? Can I go? Like I'm kind of like I <laughs> you have to ask permission. Out. Yeah, I'm like, can I go to that too? And again, it's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, and so that that was one big kind of change um, is just really doubling down on discipleship and, and doubling down on on other getting other adults involved in in discipleship. I think is like a big big thing. Um, I know you asked a little bit about me. I feel like I just went straight into student ministry. That's kind of what I do. I feel like, but <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I mean. For, for me, the adjustment was really just um, the the adjustment. Honestly, it wasn't much. It was just weather. Weather was the adjustment, and then and then figuring out uh, you know how to do ministry differently. It was kind of big, yeah. Yeah, and did you did you have much understanding of the Utah context, the culture out here before you moved, or was that kind of a, a learning curve of, as you got here, realizing oh, this is a different sort of a place. Yeah, it definitely, um, it's funny because I feel like when you move here, um, if you meet anybody who's moved here, they'll, it's kind of like this, they'll look at you a certain way and they'll be like, hey, let me tell you about this place because it is different, uh-huh. right? And so I had that um, at the very beginning. Um, and luckily, you know, Flourishing Grace, even when I came up to visit, they didn't like hide anything uh-huh. from me. <laughs> you know, they were like, look, it's a hard place. Like, I think even when I was when I was talking to uh, Josh and I, our, our a pastor of preaching a vision, he was like, Hey man, like, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like pastors don't survive long up here. Like statistically, like it's hard. It's a hard place. Um, but he, it was funny. You know, I was 23. He gave me kind of an out. He said, look, give me three years. And if you hate it, you're still young, you can move home. You know, that <laughs> yeah. was kind of, and like, I'm glad he did that. Cause it, it helped a little bit. Um, but honestly a year and not even a year in, we were like, we're not, we're not leaving that for, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's no foreseeable. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think a little bit of the culture, the cultural thing of, but, but again, it, it's so in my brain, it's so familiar, uh, because of kind of nominal Christianity of this, like kind of outward kind of kindness, there's a kindness around and there's a politeness and, and all these things. I think the thing that really hit me was how do you get under that? With mm-hmm. people, that was the hardest thing for me. It took me the long, and I still like have a hard time with it in certain places because it it's difficult to get underneath kind of the happy, smiling faces a little bit to to harder uh, or not harder things, but more real mm-hmm. things, I guess. Um, and so I read a couple books from uh, people who were former LDS, um, you know, coming up, and and books that weren't you know tainted towards just you know their experience, right of 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 that and experience of the gospel and and finding life in in Jesus and so that helped me a lot to just read from people's experiences um, and continue to learn and I do that to this day like continue mm-hmm. to learn from uh, like I have um, two leaders who are who have come out of the LDS Church um, and I learned so much from them uh, just being able to hear you know how they felt as teenagers you know how they felt yeah. growing up. Yeah. 
Um, and that was a big one is just is making sure that I was being hum- humbling myself, right? And saying, um, man, I need to learn. I need to learn every day from, from these people who have, who have come out. And then also just be understanding of the culture and the fact that, um, you know, <laughs> the people who have been here have been here for a lot of them for generation, generations and generations. And this is how, how they've lived for this long. And so not like coming in and, and stepping on that, but coming in and trying to learn, like learn just about their culture and, and mm-hmm. see what's going on, um, I think was a big one. Yeah, that's interesting, Josh. I appreciate that. Now, um, you guys are located in Southern Davis County, so you're just yeah. across the line from Salt Lake. And I'm curious how you would, what you would say is, you know, you've been around Utah and you know people in different communities. How would, what would you say is the culture of the Bountiful Woods Cross, the Southern uh, Davis County area? How would you, how would you talk about that culture and what it is and maybe how it might be different from other communities where Mormonism is, um, is more or less prominent? Yeah. Um, at least from my understanding of it. Um, I mean, I know that area the most than other areas, so I'm, I might be wrong in some of this, but from what I understand from talking to other people, um, like we have um, a student ministry that we do fall retreat and some other things with and West Jordan and their context and our context are very different. Hmm. Um, we talk about, um, yeah. And so we have, I think in Davis County and Bountiful, Bountiful is still uh, 80% LDS. Um, I, I believe it might be a little less than that over the last couple of years, people moving in, but it's very LDS and very, um, I'd say, um, a lot of even like the main street of Bountiful is kind of s- stuck in the past a little bit. It's kind hmm. of like a little bit quieter, quainter, you know, things take a little bit longer to get done. Even when we're trying to, uh, you know, rent out, we do uh, this thing called uh, Church in the or Sunday in the Park um, that we do at Bountiful City Park. And uh, even getting those things like you have to physically go down to the office and like do all the paperwork. It's like, you know, you have to talk to someone engage with. And I know that sounds weird, but <laughs> but it's like. It's it feels behind the yeah. times, right? A little bit. My wife is a teacher in Farmington, and and she, you know, there's kind of that as well. Like you can kind of see that in schools and stuff too. Just a little bit behind, I think, some other places, and kind of wanting to stay uh, where they're at. Um, and so there is an aversion a little bit to anything other than what's been here already. Um, and so, yeah, I think coming in like kind of just you know ready to like flip the table or whatever is not the way to do anything sure, right, at right. all. Um, really, again, coming in and learning and, and uh, caring for and actually finding the, the real needs um, around. For instance, like this past Christmas, we just started working with uh, the teen centers. Um, you know, so Davis County um, or South Davis County has uh, 1,200 homeless teens. Um, and so there's a teen center at Woods Cross High School, which is about Mm, five miles from us. Um, and they, uh, they serve um, about 30 of those teens. And so, you know, our, our church wanted to come in and, and figure out what we could do for them. And so we, you know, we didn't say, hey, we could do these things. We said, hey, what do you need? Hmm. You know? Yeah. And so um, they, um, and, and, and praise God, we have one of our parents of our teenagers actually uh, works part-time at that teen center. So oh, it's that's a great cool. in for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, you know, and she cares for, for those teens and that's a great thing. But she, um, 
this was one way that we could we could really show, hey, we are we are really um, we want to really help these kids. Um, we want to be there for whatever they need. Um, we know they have they have needs. They have physical needs that they that aren't being met, and we want to be there for them. Um, and so. Um, they asked for laundry baskets with some, you know, things in it for, you know, just regular household items. Um, and then they asked, Hey, there's a couple of people who aren't going to get some Christmas presents and, you know, parents that signed up for it. Could you do one of those two things? Mm -hmm. And we said, we'll do both. Like, let's just do it. And they were overwhelmed, um, by us. And that's not anything to say about us. That's everything to say about the fact that God is, um, doing a work in that, um, and, and allowing us to be a part of. Um, just kind of entering into showing people, hey, we're here um, because we love you and because we care about you. Um, not here to like, you know, convert you, not here to like, sh you know, like flip the script, but just to say, hey, like, we love you and we care about you. And we serve a God who loves you and cares about you way more than we we are doing right now. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so finding creative ways to show that. Um, another way we've done that is just by you know, our, uh, we do a, a free lunch for high school students every Thursday right now. Um, we're moving it to Tuesdays in the spring, but we, uh, yeah, it's the first 60 to 70 kids who show up, get free lunch. Um, and it's been packed all semester. Um, we've, you know, which I mean, students have free lunch. It's pretty, you know, that of course they're going to be easy there, sell. but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really cool thing. And so we've had to move that to our building, um, because it's been, colder. Although I think I could have ran it out this year because it didn't snow as much as I thought it was going to. But um, we were at a park um, down the street from one of the, the schools, but just showed students like students kept coming up to me saying, hey, what is like, what is this? Who are you guys? Like, why are you doing this? And I think that's just a really, you know, another easy way to show, hey, we, we care about you. And we just want, honestly, the whole purpose of the free lunch is to provide a, a space for students to meet friends and to have real friends and to show them, Hey, we, uh, we can help you build a real community. Um, that real community is centered around Jesus and mm -hmm. we want to show you that. Um, and so those are just some, some of the, you know, some of the ways that we're trying to help that, but, um, kind of combat that, like, um, you know, we don't want kind of outsiders or extra things to kind of go in. Yeah, you've made a couple mentions of different components of your philosophy of ministry, both with the youth as well as just the the way that the church is interacting with the culture at large. I'd love to ask more about that in a moment, but also, I, I, just for you personally, are some of these ideas that have shaped your philosophy of ministry, are they things that you developed growing up in your time um, serving a church in Texas, or are those some things that you just had to go back to the drawing board here in Utah and say, what is going to work? Because I don't know. Yeah, it's it's kind of both and a little bit. Growing up, you know, I became a Christian when I was very young, like five or six years old. Um, my parents were both first generation Christians. Um, and uh, man, I, I talk about my parents all the time uh, mm -hmm. when I preach yeah. all the time. Um, and, and I think the reason for that is because I, I like part of our student ministry's role, like a huge chunk of it is to help parents disciple their kids. Oh, sure. Right? That's great. We aren't the primary disciple makers, right? That's what I tell parents all the time. And, and that's a daunting thing. But for my parents, they, they, you know, had no model of that. And so yeah. they just trusted the Holy Spirit and, and trust like, and point us towards Jesus. And I tell people all the time, really, my parents did the best job of saying Jesus is first in our house. Yeah. Jesus is first. Um, and then kind of through that, um, you know, and they weren't perfect, obviously they had all, all these different things and they would, if they were sitting here, they'd be like, okay, like we did a terrible job, you know, but 
they know they know they didn't um and they know that god had had uh you know the biggest role in that but um through that uh when i got into college that was when really um i began to see um how god had been putting men and women in my life as i grew up uh to disciple me um mm-hmm. and and discipleship became a really key aspect so in high school I had um, a, a leader of mine who led one of our, we called them life groups uh, for students. And um, he was just a VP at a bank um, in, in the city and, uh, you know, loved Jesus. And he cared about us for four years. Mm-hmm. I mean, him and his wife would drop off like shoeboxes with um, like stuff in it for exams, you know, like at our exam times and just would be there for us, cared about us. I mean, he went as far as to, there were, there was a girl kind of on the fringes, like rented a party bus for her birthday. And like, she probably hated it, but it was a great thing, you know, <laughs> like, like it was like, it was a great, like care, just cared about us. Yeah. Right. Um, and that developed into my college years. And I started to realize at the time I didn't feel called to ministry. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and, uh, at the time, I, I always said to myself, I want to be like Sean Shope, hmm. the guy who discipled me. That's I want to just have a job, but like love Jesus and disciple whoever, students, kid, whatever it is. And uh, in college, that's when it really hit me with, I started to see all of these people, and, and I went to college at University of North Texas, not far from home, about 45 minutes from where I grew up, but um, I saw all of these students who had come to our college ministry, who came from churches that like or Bible preaching, you know, gospel believe like Jesus centered churches, but had never been discipled, had never been shown how do I actually follow Jesus? Yeah, right. And so that hit me a lot, and God kind of used that to say, "Hey, what if what you got in college you could give to students in junior high and high school? Mm-hmm. What if like how how much would that change?" And so that really shaped a lot when I got here of. I already had that mindset a little bit, but then when, again, when COVID hit, that was kind of the moment for me to say, oh, um, I, I don't feel like, uh, I don't think that building something that could be so quickly just dissipated is the right way to go. Yeah. Like building up a night. Now we do have a worship night for students because I think that's a good avenue, but honestly, that's, that's not our strongest thing that we do. Our strong, like our strongest ministry, the thing that our students are most involved in are our, we call them huddles, which are discipleship groups, where they are, they're, they're, and they're not just Bible studies, they're actually um, run by our leaders who are showing them, this is what Jesus says, and this is how we follow after what Jesus says to do, and then this is how we help one another to do that. Um, and so we do that on Sunday mornings. Um, and it's, yeah, like I said, it's, it's the biggest ministry we have as far as students go. Um, and I'm so thankful for that because it's really, my, this is what happens in student ministry, right? You, you don't get to keep, keep your students, like they go off and they Mm -hmm. leave you and it's the saddest thing ever. And I've cried over students already, right? In the last five years since I've been here. And, um, but my hope is that those students go off and whether they come back and I hope that some of them do. And I pray that some of them come back, um, that Utahns stay here and yeah. make disciples. That's what I hope for. But wherever they go, my hope is they would know um, that they can. They should find someone to say, hey, help me follow Jesus more when they go off to college, that you know they can identify that and then start making disciples of their friends and of people around them. So that was a big shift. So it's kind of both. Like, And with that, um, I mean, when we talk about the lunches and, and um, other things that we're doing, um, you know, some of that came along with that, um, but some of that came along just with looking at the context and, you know, having to look at it and go, what do students really need? 
what's the biggest need that we that we can serve Mm -hmm. i guess because sometimes there's a need it's like i don't know if we can do that but and even with the lunches what's been amazing about that is our church has just rallied around it um i was nervous about it i was like and to be honest it's not cheap to do (laughs) you know like i was sitting there and i talked to our our lead shepherds and i was like hey hey, we i I would love to do this i think i think this is what god is calling us into but and man it, it was so awesome they were uh, I gave them two kind of options as far as money goes of like, we can do it every other week and pay this much or we can do it every week. And they're like, well, which one will work better? And I was like, every week. Absolutely. Like <laughs> yeah. being there every week. Consistency. Like, yeah. Consistency among students. If you're, if you're there once a month, they're going to forget you. If you're there every week, you remember their name and you care about them. You're like, dude, how'd that soccer game go? What's going on with this? Like, Hey, I prayed for you about your brother. How's that going? Like those things constantly, right. that's what makes a difference. And they said, then do it. You know, and then I've had so many people at our church say, hey, if you run out of money, we got you. Yeah, like, that's cool. <laughs> amazing. Um, and so, yeah, things like that. Just so some of it's both and it's like as I, I try to figure that out, too, it's like, hey, but I think, a, you know, a lot of it was ingrained in me. But then, you know, I had to come up with some of it and, and our team came up with it, too, not just me. So, you know, as you're talking about making disciples, um, you know, we, Daniel, and I, of course, we really applaud that. Um, it's part of the heartbeat of our ministry too. But when you talk about making disciples and I, and and kids who maybe will come back and, and be and be yeah. engaged in Utah and so forth, so my, the question that that raised in my mind was that then what are you modeling and teaching them and showing them now that will uh, that they'll take and take with them in life wherever they go. You know, if they come they come back to Utah that they live in, in a different town, they can't go to Flourishing Grace or whatever. A lunch program is a great way to contact people, but a kid like coming out of college, they're not gonna go, oh, where's the lunch program? I want to plug into that, you know. So I'm I'm just curious about uh, the kind of things that you're working on building into the lives of the kids so that they can um, serve Jesus on their own when they're outside of your own structure. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, for our students who are regularly here, um, that's really where I see the the shaping and the discipling um, happening most, right? As we engage with students who are uh, primarily LDS and the lunches and things like that, kind of more outreach things, there's less of that going on because it's, it's more um, really trying to get our students involved with seeing the things like lunches as an outreach opportunity, which is part of it. Um, but for our students, it's it's really kind of helping them see um, that they uh, how to uh, identify um, or just knowing the gospel, how to identify churches that believe the gospel hmm. and and people too. Um, how to um, like I said this uh, or uh, this semester we are um, in our huddles, kind of really helping them understand. Uh, multiple different ways to share the gospel. Um, you know, primarily right now we teach them really how to share their story um, because that's a contextual thing. To, I mean, not really, but here especially, I would say the best thing you can do is share your story of how Jesus saved you. That that is, and so getting students to you know we walk them through. We have like a little paper that walks through. You know, I'm sure you know lots of churches use something like that, but we we use it for our baptisms. Um, when a student or even adult now wants to get baptized, we have these questions we walk them through and it, it leads them through their story. And it also helps us to see, oh, are you ready for this? Or is this kind of like, you know, um, but then we use that to say, hey, now you, you can put this into a paragraph and you can share that with your friends. Um, and so um, that's one way, but also 
a big, a big way is is getting them to pray for their their friends and pray. Um, you know, even this this uh, yesterday, this past Sunday, um, we we talked about man, how how do you um, or the evangelism and and uh, disciple making and sharing the gospel? It all starts with prayer. So, who are you praying for? Um, who are you? And then, what are you afraid of in that? And are you praying for that? Because the Holy Spirit, if you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit's in you, and He He is going to do the work, not you, right? And so. Are you praying for those things that you're afraid of? And I I tell them, guys, I'm afraid too. We're all afraid. Like there is fear. Don't get me wrong. Um, There's fear, but our God overcomes those fears. Um, And he works, he works things. uh, Jesus says he'll work things mightier than I've done. Right. We showed them that verse yesterday and they were like, whoa, like mightier than what, like think about what Jesus did, everybody. Like, let's think about that, you know? So things like that, um, but also just constantly working through the Bible and really like our, our, our midweek um, worship gatherings for students, it's all um, exegetical preaching. Um, You know, we, we don't uh, dumb it down for students. We probably go over their heads a, li- a little bit. And I, I want to do that on purpose um, because I want them to kind of rise to the occasion. And mm-hmm. here's the deal. I think in student ministry, a lot of times people are like, oh, like they can't understand like the sermon on Sundays. I'm like, guys, they're in AP classes. Like they're, they're smarter than I am. No, there's <laughs> no, they, they can, you know? And so really trying to push parents also towards like, hey, uh, like your students should be part of the gathering of the church. Mm-hmm. That's a big one, right? Statistically, uh, you know, that that's a the huge one. If they were part of the gathering, uh, they will find a church and attend a church when they leave here and, and get plugged into a community. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they don't, um, while they're in a high schooler, they, like that that dro- drops dramatically. I don't know the stats. I'm not going to say it and be wrong, but uh, it's it's very high. So things like that, just showing them that they are the church. Um, right. You know, I love uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer as uh, one of my favorite. I just yeah, um, he's like a favorite at our church. We joke about how much he's <laughs> quoted in things. But um, uh, what I love is you know a lot of people don't know Dietrich did uh, youth ministry like a good amount of it. And um, there's a great book um, called uh, Bonhoeffer as Youth Worker by Andrew Root. Um, absolutely amazing book. Um, and Actually, now I think about it, that's some of where these ideas came from because okay, his yeah. youth ministry was just, it's so funny how that's just ingrained in me. His, his, I, his youth ministry was basically playing chess with students and having them over to his house and just talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would say, there's, there's no such thing as a Christian youth. Like when you're a Christian and you're 13, you have the same things on you that you're a Christian and you're 80. It's the same. Um, and so that's kind of our philosophy of that. And so we we do everything in that way. We teach students. We don't we don't say, oh, students need to pray. Ah, it's like down here. Like students' prayer is different than adults praying, or students sharing the gospel is different than adults sharing the gospel, or students even making disciples is different necessarily um, than than adults are doing those things. Um, and so we just kind of ingrain them in being part of the church. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the big way that we make sure as they leave, you know, they're doing that and so yeah and what's been cool is i've been able to see over the last couple of years um seniors who have gone off and then you know some of them came back for christmas you know this last sunday so i got to see some of them again and and just having conversations over text and them getting plugged into churches and them seeing that discipleship happening in college it's just really cool to see yeah and how do you communicate what is discipleship 
to your students? Yeah. So we talk about how discipleship uh, really begins with um, like sharing the gospel with with someone, but also just spending time with someone be- even before they believe, um, right? That's part of it. But then really the discipleship begins as someone believes in the gospel and says, hey, I want to follow Jesus, right? Jesus says, come and follow me. And those who, who came are his disciples and those who didn't, we don't hear about, or we hear about a few of them, but we don't, they don't come with them, right? And so um, really it's someone who says, I want to follow after Jesus and, you know, Matthew 28, right? Jesus Jesus says to teach them all that I've commanded you, right? And so really discipleship is sharing the gospel, baptizing um, baptizing people and proclaiming that and then teaching them just what Jesus said. What Jesus said uh, what Jesus said about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, um, what Jesus said about life and living and and how to what's important in life. Um, and that Jesus is not something, discipleship really helps us to make sure that Jesus is not something that we sprinkle on what we're doing to make it better. Right. So I always talk about this idea of like, you know, um, the difference between, um, and I saw this in Texas a lot, like, you know, you have a dental practice who's got like a Bible over, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me on the wall. And it's like, that's great. And all like, you know. But like, there's a difference between that and a dentist who's who's like using that as a, a platform to say to talk to people about Jesus, you know, and like really saying no, like Jesus is so part of my life. I'm a Christian first, right? And I'm a and I'm a dentist second. And so we really help our students see it that way. I'm a Christian first, and then I'm I'm a soccer player second. So what does it look? Yeah, I mean, this, for a dentist, it should be obvious that you got your fingers in somebody's face, right? You have a you have a total uh, one way communication going yeah. on. You should be able to say anything <laughs> and not worry about what they say back, right? Yeah. So um, yeah. go dentist. Right? Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is I try to do the opposite, and that when the dentist, I'm like, "Hey," because uh, they always ask, "Oh, how'd you move here?" And I'm like talking to them about Jesus, and it's like a nightmare because they have their hands both in my mouth. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, if you offend them, they have their hands. Yeah, in their yeah mouth. that's true. That's true. Pull out a tooth. Yeah. <laughs> so, Josh, what would you say to other churches that are are trying to think about wise youth ministry, wise ways of engaging with the youth of this culture? How would you encourage them? Yeah, I think begin. Um, the biggest thing is begin with the students that you have um, and really, really pour into them. I would say a big mistake when I first got here was there were, there was, like I said, there were eight students, half of them were not with me. Like they did not want, um, they, they were there because their parents, you know, forced them to, but they didn't yeah. want to go along with, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I loved them and I cared about them, but at the beginning I, I poured a, a ton of effort into trying to get them to come along and, uh, it ended up hurting my other students. Hmm, um, really? I gave up time and I had to do this kind of, I had to stop, um, during the summer and say, you can't, you got to pour into this, like not, not leave them on the curb, you know, but you have to, but you have to pour into the students that are there. So if you have two students or if you have tw- 20 or 30 or 40 students, pour into those students who are there regularly, um, get them, uh, get other adults involved in your church in discipling them. Don't just do it paid staff by yourself. Mm, that's good. Um, man, they need people who are not paid ministers to be Jesus, mm-hmm. to like show them who Jesus is to them. Um, yeah. Um, and, and those people don't have to be perfect uh, at all. They shouldn't. They, I always say to our leaders, like, um, 
I say to our leaders, you actually, you are not Jesus. Right. Uh, you should be pointing them to Jesus. That's, um, that's the big thing. And then another one we always say is be undignified. Um, it's like a big one of just like um, being leaders who are just there in the mix doing what students are doing and not ashamed of it. You know, doing the, the dumb games that students are doing and being a part of it, I think, is a big thing to get those people involved. Yeah, I think that I think it goes back to something you said earlier, but the idea that we live in this religious culture that um where there's a lot of imaging, a lot of fronting going on and yeah. um you know, there's never any real vulnerability because if you're vulnerable, then you know, you lose status in the in the religious yep. culture and so forth. So I love the idea that you're you're trying to have leaders who model yeah, authenticity and vulnerability, which means something as crazy as like being goofy in a game or whatever, but or telling about real things about life. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I don't want the time to get totally away from us before we um, we ask you to maybe share some stories, just brief. Maybe, of course, names are you don't have to tell anybody's sure. name, but just about some maybe ways that you in the ministry in the youth ministry there have encountered Latter-day Saint students and what that, what's that looked like? Yeah. Um, how have your kids been part of that? How have you and your leaders been part of that? Have they come to you like through lunch or whatever? I'm just curious about uh, kind of connecting the dots and encouraging our listeners to, to realize that, you know, there are some things that God could do. Yeah. Yeah. What might those, some of those things be? Yeah, there's a couple of different types of students, um, as far as LDS students that we interact with. Um, different regularity of those. So you have the the least regular is the very, um, you know, ingrained LDS student um, who's who's doing all of the things, right? Um, you know, they're the the good, you know, they're, you know, <laughs> part of, um, you know, they're, they're doing all the, all the right things as far as the LDS theology goes. Um, and we see them occasionally come to things. Our, our, our students who are more charismatic and, and in, in invitational will bring those, those kids. Um, and they, I will always get asked questions about, and, or, or I'll always get the comment. I get this all the time. Man, you guys talk about Jesus really differently mm. than we do. Like, you talk about him like you know him. That's weird. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it, you know, uh, which is a really cool segue. They don't understand how, how awesome of a segue that is into, you know, talking about uh, their life and some things like that. But then also, you know, we get uh, – and, and those kids will also occasionally have some questions about, you know, uh, why we are different than, or why we think we're different than them. Or, or a lot of times they'll be like, oh, we're the, they'll kind of come up and say we're the same and – you know, we, we believe sim- like the same, we're basically the same thing. And they'll talk through that uh, kind of, you know, uh, similar to an engagement you'd maybe get with a uh, LDS missionary of like kind of similarities. And, um, and so those are more conversations that are, um, you know, I, I really just try to show, Hey, um, we're, we're not the same in the kindest. And I, I emphasize this in the kindest, most loving yeah. way. So we're, we believe differently than you, and and I focus on Jesus. Mm-hmm. I say what we believe, who Jesus is, is a different Jesus than you believe in. And um, you know, I use this kind of with students, and it works half the time, so it's not great. But I, I use this thing with students where, um, you know, I'll I'll point at one of our leaders, and I'll say, you see, um, you know, let's say you see uh, John over there, I'm like yeah, like what if I said, hey, do you know John? John, he. Uh, you know, he's like, he's like a bodybuilder and he's, he's like seven foot three and he, 
you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're looking at me because the real John is like skinny and like five, you know, five eleven, and he's, you know, plays guitar and like, yeah, like, I like describing him totally different than what he is. And, and I say, yeah, that's, I'm talking about a different John, right. When I'm talking about this bodybuilder and like, you don't know that John. And so I kind of use that as like, that's kind of what we're talking about here. And so I really focus on Jesus in those scenarios and, and get our leaders to do that as well. Primarily though, we get, um, kind of the, Students who either their parents or their family has left the LDS church or they are starting to, um, or they're questioning. So those are kind of the most is what we get. And and those are the students where it's, I mean, it takes a lot of time. Um, it takes a lot of time. Um, and we just constantly show them Jesus over and over again. Um, and we do that. We, we, we um, you know, um, are vulnerable. Like when we are at camp, uh, we, we go to student life camp, which I highly recommend. They're not paying me for this, but plug them cause they're amazing. <laughs> All right. Uh, but, uh, it's far. Uh, so yeah. the one we go to is at Glorietta, New Mexico. It's 10 and a half hours from Bountiful. Uh-huh. So, um, it's a distance, but student life camp does a great job of, of the gospel. It's always there. And that's why I love them. So, um, we go there, but we take, a handful of LDS students every year because we try to make it uh, free or very minimal cost for them to go. Um, and we had a student this last year who, you know, I, I give all of our students a little like field journal um, when we get there. Just blank, give them a piece of paper. We take their phones away. I say, put this field journal where your phone is. And every time you, th- you reach for your phone, write something down, whether it's a prayer or maybe something that God is brings to your mind. Well, this one student, he, he probably finished that journal out um, completely um, because he was just writing so much in it. Um, and like I said, he's, he's an LDS student. His parents are like, his parents are LDS, but he's trying to, you know, he's been looking into some archaeology and some other things and trying to figure things out, has a lot of questions. But he, um, he, he would do this thing where occasionally he would walk out of the worship set and just go sit by himself outside. And so I'd go check on him, make sure he's okay, you yeah. know? And one, one of the times I went and checked on him and he he just said to me, uh, yeah, sorry, Josh, I'm just, can I be out here? Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, of course, man. Like, I'm just making sure you're okay. Like, um, And I sat down and uh, I, I said to myself, okay, I'm gonna give myself 10 seconds of like quiet or 15 seconds of quiet. And if he doesn't say anything, I'm just gonna get up and leave him alone, right? But then, you know, three or four seconds go by, he goes, man, I, I uh, you know, he starts talking about certain things, but then he, he brings up, man, you're the leaders here. The adult leaders are just so real. Like in our small groups, like our, the adult leaders in my, my group are actually talking about real struggles that they have. Like they, they aren't acting like they're perfect. Every adult around me acts like they're perfect. And I just feel like such a failure. And, and man, what an opportunity for the gospel in that moment mm-hmm. for me to just share with mm-hmm. him. Um, and so like that's, that's one big way, um, you know, we, you know, we, uh, yeah, we just try to be honest and, and really show, no, we need Jesus's death and resurrection, mm-hmm. right? Um, we are not people who dress up and, and act like, like we're, we're, uh, um, you know, something that we're not, we're, we are really just, we're messed up people and we need Jesus, right? Um, and so, yeah, that's a, that's a, a big way we do that. We've had a, a couple of students come to things through the lunches, um, whether it's Thursday nights for our midweek or um, Sunday mornings. Um, and through that, it's really just our leaders and myself making sure that we touch base with those students and see, hey, like, saw you come, or saw you came, I'm glad you, glad you came. Uh, like, 
a little bit why, like why <laughs> like why'd you come i'd love to hear why you came and there's like oh, i was just curious a lot of them it's funny like in our area a lot of them are like weirded out by our building like 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 they're like this is a cool building i'm gonna come back like i don't know that's a weird thing uh-huh. uh i'm not saying that you should have a cool building to bring i think it's just like a it's a weird i don't know they don't expect a church i think to just be you know and like have coffee and things like that and things like that so um but yeah um we just always make sure that we're constantly, you know, um, having conversations with those students. It's kind of the big thing. Um, if that answers your question, the answer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, thanks so much. This is super encouraging, super helpful to think through. I really appreciate your stories, yep. your insights, um, the encouragements for others. Um, so thanks so much for joining today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Again, this is the Culture Wise Podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter Day Saints with wisdom and grace.